Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message from one of our guest speakers. Connection Point Church is a Great Commission church because we are Great Commission Christians. We support over 80 different ministers and missionaries locally and globally. I love that. I love that we watched a video last year. Amen. We should celebrate that this morning. Last year, you got to watch a video of Sam in Saudi Arabia who thanked us for praying for him. Connection Point Church is a part of planting the church in Saudi Arabia. Isn't that awesome? Praise God for that. Connection Point Church is a part of planting the church in Iraq. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord for that. We're a part of church planting training centers in North Africa. Things that I, I just was thinking about all the things that we've been able to be a part of in the last several years and, and seeing the church established, going to places like the Dominican Republic and, and physically building churches. Ways that we've been able to touch and partner in places like Indonesia and the work that's happening there on university campuses and prayer walking those places and taking a team of people to, to be able to encourage our global partners who are there. So Connection Point Church has been a part of touching the nations for a lot of years now. And really since the very beginning, 37 years, this church in West Lafayette, Indiana has been touching the world. And that continues today. And so annually we make an emphasis on what is God asking us to do in missions this year. And, and so then we always try to invite somebody to come and share their heart for the nations to continue to inspire us to the ends of the earth. And, and so this year is no exception to that. So we will have our service today and our missions lunch today and on Wednesday our global prayer event. And we just encourage you, as Shelly already did in our offering time, be all in. Be all in for what God is doing. And be excited for what God is doing in the world and our opportunity to be a part of that. And so today we get to hear from, from Wes. He and his family have been serving in the Arabian Gulf for several years now, seeking to establish the church in a part and place of this world that really has been a stronghold of the enemy for a lot of years, hundreds of years. But we know God is at work in the Arabian Gulf. And we get to be a part of that work. Uh, Shelly and I actually went to college with Wes, so he's a friend. It's been fun to reconnect with him. Uh, one of the joys of missions is the opportunities to, to reconnect with friends. And, and so we get to do that. Can we welcome Wes as he comes to share this morning? All right. Make sure this is working. All right. Praise the Lord. How you guys doing? Oh, man, y'all look so bright and cheery. Who turned on winter? <laughs> Who did it? Oh, my goodness. It's cold. <laughs> and snowing. In November. Ooh, man, y'all got me, uh, y'all got me, oh, I'm preaching in a sweater for the first time. I had to go through, like, Four different outfits this morning as I'm looking at the snow outside. I'm like, man, what am I going to wear and stay uh, cool? I had this nice short sleeve, you know, shirt. I was going to look cool, you know, show you my dad bod, and now I'm having to wear this thing. So um, if I get hot, then I'll, I'll blame it. I'll blame it on, on you guys. But 
Anyway, Zach and Shelly, thank you so much for having me. Listen, as I was down there and we were worshiping, listen, and, and as they pull a picture of my family up there, I mean, guys, remember, we were young and like stupid, like in college, and now we have kids that are thinking about going to college. Like, can you believe this? Like, we're like parents with responsibilities and jobs and pay bills. And, and it's amazing to think about where we were, you know, and, you know, those years. I don't want to say the years that we had to get my age away, but man, and look what the Lord has done through you guys, man. Zach and Shelly, you guys got some amazing pastors. I am telling you what, amazing pastors. Just the fact that he invited me to come tells you he's a little crazy, but... Um, man, look what the Lord has done. And, and, you know, just us being young and stupid in college. And now look at the Lord's using you all over the world um, just to touch and change lives, plant the church where it doesn't exist. This is a picture of my incredible family. Our apologies that they are not here. They are worshiping the Lord at their home church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, my beautiful wife, Crystal, uh, in July, we've been married for 19 years. I mean, excuse me, 20 years. I don't want to short ourselves. Um, we have three incredible kids. My oldest son, Reese, is 15. Uh, then there's Caleb. He's 12. And my little girl, Tears of Grace, is 10. And uh, man, everybody has a story. Our story is, you know, three years into our marriage, um, it, it didn't look good. We we're in an abusive, dysfunctional relationship. And God did a miracle in our marriage and in our family. And every time we look at our kids, we're reminded. Every time we look at each other, every time we celebrate another anniversary, we're reminded of the power of Jesus Christ to change and transform lives, uh, to do miracles. And, you know, as, as I say that, I do want to share a quick testimony uh, about, you know, our time in Oman. Our family, we plant the church where it doesn't exist uh, in Muscat, Oman. It is a country of three and a half million people. And the saying is there are more Starbucks than followers of Jesus in Oman. Uh, just an incredibly tough place uh, to do missions. Uh, but I believe God calls us to the tough places. Amen. He calls us to do the tough things. He calls us to do the difficult things. And it's funny, back in 2017, uh, we were, you know, doing our itinerating. We were raising our budget to go to Oman. And I never told anybody this, uh, but my wife, but I had this incredible fear that I would go to Oman and that I would never come back. I would die in Oman. And this was a fear. It wasn't just a normal fear. It was something I would wake up in the middle of the night just terrified that I was never going to come back. Uh, I would sometimes be sharing in a pulpit and this fear would come over me. And it was really surreal to go around to churches and see people that I hadn't seen since college or to see friends. And, and, and this thing would be like, this is the last time you're going to see this person. You know, this is the last time you're going to see your mom. Like, this is, this is kind of what I was going through as I was itinerating, this incredible fear. And the last place that we spoke at, uh, right outside of, of Raleigh, North Carolina, there was a guy after church who came to me. Uh, this is in 2018, February, right before we left, three days before we left. He came up to me and he said he had a word for me. And if any of you, you know, as a pastor... Um, anytime somebody tells me to have a word for me, I get a little nervous, okay? So um, this guy said he had a word for me, and he said, you're going to go to Oman, and uh, God is going to protect you. He's going to take care of you. And he said, not a hair on your head will be harmed, and I knew he was lying when he said that. <laughs> um, you know, he said, not a hair on your head will be harmed. 
He said, uh, you're going to have all the money you need and God's going to bring you home safely. And when he walked away, I've never seen him again, but I knew that was from the Lord. So I walked into Oman and everything was going great until May 12th of 2020. And that night of May 12th, 2020, I had this dream, and it was just not a regular dream. It was a demonic dream, and I want to share it with you. I'm laying down, and I can feel these hands, and they're pulling and tearing at my body as I'm laying there. And I can hear these voices whispering all around me. And I didn't know what the voices were saying, but it didn't sound good, okay? So as I'm laying there, and I'm hearing these voices, and I'm feeling these hands, like, grabbing at my body, I remembered during 2017, while we were itinerating, we taught our kids to memorize Psalm 91. And we told our children, whenever you feel stress, whenever you feel anxiety, whenever you're afraid, I want you to begin to recite Psalm 91. And I remember sometimes in our devotional times, we'd be holding hands and I'd say, Reese, recite Psalm 91. Caleb, recite Psalm 91. Tears, recite Psalm 91. And that became my mantra. So what did I do in the middle of this dream? I began to recite Psalm 91. Those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue me from every trap. He will protect me from deadly disease. He will cover me with his feathers. He will shelter me with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not fear the terrors of the night nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday, though a thousand may fall at my side, though 10,000 are dying around me, these evils will not touch me. And as I begin to say Psalm 91, and this would preach, the hands did not stop grabbing at me, the voices did not stop, but the peace of God began to wash all over my soul when I knew that everything was going to be okay. But I woke up with chest pains. Make a long story short, I was rushed to the hospital, and they said, you have 100% blockage on the right side of your heart. You're in cardiac arrest. We need to get you to a real hospital. You never want to hear that combination of things said in the same sentence, especially in Oman. You're having a heart attack. We need to get you to a real hospital. I was rushed to the hospital May 12, 2020 in the middle of COVID. Um, I was rushed into surgery. I was in ICU for about three days. The lady next to me died. Um, nobody could visit me. Of course, we were locked down and, um, you know, here I stand. Now, why do I tell you that? I tell you that because I believe that the Lord has sent me here to tell you today that, to remind you that the devil is a liar. Church, the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Connection point, church, the devil is a liar. Maybe today he is lying to you about something. Because it is in the devil's DNA to lie. Just like we have things in our DNA, maybe we're predisposed to like uh, cholesterol or, or high blood pressure or heart disease or even cancer. It is in the devil's DNA to lie to us about our future, to lie to us about our lives. Maybe it's about 
that sickness that you will never be healed from. Maybe it's about that, that family member that is far from God. Maybe it's about, man, I'm not really making an impact. But it is in the devil's DNA to lie to us, and that is his job. That is who he is. But I believe we're here today, and I'm here today to tell you that the lies of the enemy will never stand against the truth of God's word. And I will tell you, the enemy has been at work in this season, has he not? The lies that he have told us, the things that he said to us as we've watched this world crumble around us. And you know what? I think that's what Kingdom Builders is about. Kingdom Builders is about the truth of God's word shining through the church, through us. Building his kingdom locally and globally. As a small town boy from Goldsboro, North Carolina, single parent family, father died when I was nine. And God has used me all over the world. That is what the Lord does. That is what Jesus Christ does. He uses the broken for his glory. He takes those lies that he's spoken and he shows us his truth through our lives and through our testimonies. I want to share with you today... A message, and it's titled Everything. Um, Where did this everything come from? To be honest with you, it gets its title from a scripture God used to speak a word into my life back in September 16th of 2016. It's before I announced that I was leaving our church in Raleigh, North Carolina and going overseas. And there's an amazing story in Luke 5, 1 through 10 about Jesus and one of his amazing encounters on the lakeside. And I want to read that to you real quick because I think there's a couple truths in there I want to share with you, if that's okay. Luke 5, 1 through 10 says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of those boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore left everything and followed him. What an incredible story from God's word. 
Now, I want to share with you what this meant to me back in September 2016. God said there are two boats. And in, in my life, it was the boat of my home church, Raleigh First Assembly, now Cross Assembly, and the other boat was going overseas to Oman. And I knew the Lord was saying to me that in the process of your transition, because you are being obedient, God is going to bless both boats in the process of to overflowing. I remember when he spoke to me and said, because you're doing this, I'm going to bless both boats. I remember leaving, and, and this is very true. Our church is now, it was 2,500 when I left. Now it's almost over 4,000. We baptized 200 people last weekend. Um, God is doing some amazing things in Oman. And I don't want to tell, I wanted to tell you this. When I was praying last night and as I was praying this week, the Lord gave me a prophetic word for you guys. Zach, that is the same position you and Shelly are in. Because you are being obedient and you are following the Lord to Morocco, God is going to bless the boat of Morocco and he's going to bless the boat of Connection Point Church. He's going to do it. And that is what healthy transition looks like. Healthy transition looks like if you're obedient and you're willing to do the tough things, God is going to bless both boats in the process. It's the same with us when we talk about kingdom builders and building his kingdom, being a light into this world. If we're willing to do the tough things, if we're willing to step out in faith, if we're willing to be obedient, God does not call us to be comfortable. He compels us to obey. Obedience does not always look easy. But when we do that, man, we see the miracles of abundance in our lives. And it's not always in finances. It's much deeper than that. It's in the fruit of seeing transformed lives, healed marriages, relationships put back together, people transitioning into the kingdom. But there's a second part to that command that I want to share with you, and that's today in verse 10 and 11. And it says again, Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything, and followed him. That's the second part of this. Because we're being obedient, we would have to leave everything. Never before had this scripture meant more to me when I was facing it eye to eye. It was personal. It wasn't Simon, James, and John leaving everything. It was me and my family. I believe we live in an era where the Holy Spirit will begin to call more and more of us to leave everything and follow Jesus into uncharted territory. I want to share with you a story. My kids love when I share this story and I miss seeing their faces because they always tell me I got to get it right. This favorite thing is to critique me when I get off stage on this one story. One of my favorite movies of all time. This is not a Christian movie. I'm going to tell you right now. All right? My email is wbrinson34 at hotmail.com. Pastor Zach didn't know I was sharing his story, so you got to email me directly, okay? All right? He didn't know. But one of my favorite movies of all time 
is Black Panther, all right? I love me some Black Panther, all right? Now, I want to explain to you a little bit about the movie because I know most of y'all are too holy to watch that movie, okay? I know most of y'all don't do it, so I'm going to tell you, all right? Black Panther is a Marvel superhero, okay? And he has this suit that he puts on that gives him, like, these special powers, all right? And, you know, he's a panther. He looks like a panther. He's got claws and everything. So this is his thing. So he is the king of a mythical place called Wakanda, all right? Now, Wakanda, every year he's a king, and every so often they have this like ceremony where all the tribes come before him, and your champion of your tribe can challenge the king to the throne, and they strip his powers away, and you fight him in Mortal Kombat, because it wouldn't be fair if he's a superhero. You got to strip his powers away, right? So anyway, in the beginning of this movie, this is the scene where they're, they're challenged, they're giving the champions a, a chance to challenge for the throne. And each tribe goes along, it's kind of like it's set up here, and it's like this tribe says, we will not challenge today. This champion says, we will not challenge today. So all the tribes say they will not challenge. And just when they're about to crown the king, they hear a voice coming from a far off cave. Hoo 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 my kids got to make sure I do that, all right? So I had to tell you, all right? They might be watching me online, all right? So they, they hear this voice coming from the cave, and these big, ugly, burly, big, ugly dudes come out of this cave, wild guys. And they get out there, and they come out of this cave, and the biggest one of them all tells the panther what a horrible job he's doing, the king, and says, I want to challenge you today in Mortal Kombat. So these two guys began to fight back and forth. And, you know, it's going back and forth. One gets the upper hand, and the other one gets the upper hand. But then there's this turning point in it where it looks like the challenger has felled a mortal blow to the king. He stabs him in the chest. He gets him in a bear hug. He headbutts him a few times. His face is all busted up and broken. And he says these words to him. He says, no powers, no claws, no suit. You're just a boy. And in that moment, when it seems like all hope is lost, he hears a still small voice in the distance. And that voice is his mother. And you know what she says? She says, show them who you are. Church, there has never been a more relevant word for the church today. Let me share something with you. This world, which is led by the enemy, is trying to snuff the church out. It's trying to choke the church out. We are losing churches at a rapid rate. People are falling away from the faith. We are turning brother against brother and sister against sister. We got things like racial tension. We got politics, mask or no mask, vaccine or no vaccine. We got COVID. Church, this world is trying to stifle and choke the church out. Never before have we seen a crisis like we are seeing. Churches are emptying. People are not coming to church anymore. 
Church, let me tell you something. If there is ever a time where we need to step up, now is the time. In a time when it seems like all hope is lost, in a time where it seems like the world is trying to snuff us out, in a time where it seems like the world is beating the church into nothing. Church, listen to me. Now is the time, if they have ever been a time, now is the time for us to show the world who we really are. Now is the time. Who are we? Church, who are we? Who are we? Are we the ones who will go quietly into the night or are we the ones who will run into the fire when everybody else is running away? Are we the ones who will shrink back in the words of Paul or are we the ones who will step up and do everything that we can, give our last dollar, give our last bit of energy to plant the church where it doesn't exist locally and globally? Are we the ones when the world is trying to snuff us out, are we the ones who are going to build his kingdom? Who are we? Let me tell you something, Connection Point Church. Now is the time, if there ever was, for us to show the world who we are. And it has to start now. This is a message to encourage you, but it is also a message to challenge you. We have sat on the sidelines long enough. We have sat around and taken punches long enough. Now is the time for us, for the world to look at us. Don't you know that during this time, if there's anything the world is watching, they're watching the church? And let me ask you something. When those sinners out there, we're all sinners, but when those people who are far from God are out there, and they're looking at you, what do they see? What do they see? I want to share with you four things, because to me, when the Lord called us to leave everything, and we left everything, what, what did that mean to us? And I think the Lord gave me a word for you guys in what everything requires. What is it going to take to build his kingdom, to really focus on building his kingdom. The first thing is this, and we're going to fly through them. The first one is this, and my calendar just came up. I don't know what happened. The first one is this, everything requires conflict. Listen, church, if we're going to give everything to building his kingdom, there is going to be conflict. There is going to be internal conflict there is going to be external conflict. If we are going to change the world for Jesus and be ready to leave everything behind, we must realize there will be conflict. If we're called to be different and run into the fire when everyone else is running away, just that visual alone screams conflict. People are not going to like it. You will have better offers and easier paths. Others will think you are crazy. Often when we are called, we don't get past the conflict stage and take the path of least resistance. 
Jesus talks about conflict a lot, but this is one of my favorite ones. Matthew chapter 10, 34 through 39, he says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not to come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father, a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be of those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. When God calls you, you can be sure there will be conflict. People will try to talk you out of it that mean really well. There will be fear of the unknown. There will be uncertainty in your mind on the outcome. I'm going to challenge you today to give everything. And I want you to give so much that you're going to be uncertain about the outcome. You know, Paul talks about the Macedonian church and he says, they gave not only according to their means, but beyond their means. They gave more than what they were able to. I'm going to challenge you today that the Lord does not call us to give some. He does not call us to give half, three quarters. He calls us to give everything that we got. Everything requires courage. Leaving everything and following Jesus takes courage not to say, it takes courage to act. I'm going to say that again. Everything requires courage not to say, it requires courage to act. Being obedient to the Holy Spirit is often about what we are willing to do. We talk about a lot of things, but action rarely follows. Fill out that application. Sell that house and move. Put in that resignation at work. Write that check. Go on that missions trip. Act. Have courage to act. Be bold and act. Don't just say do. It'd be the equivalent of me coming in here and raising my hands and shabakalading all day and then walking out there and living like hell. We need to have courage to act because the world is looking at us. Your community is looking at you. They are looking at you even when you think they have their back turned. They got a mirror like this looking at you. Here's a story in Acts I'd love for you to keep and read and keep in your notes to guide your prayers. It's Acts 14, 1 through 7, and I'll share what I mean by it. It says, now at Iconium, they entered together in the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained a long time speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. I was laughing because in verse 2 it says, the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brother, so they remained for a long time. <laughs> it's like an oxymoron. 
Oh, it was terrible, so we stayed longer. So, <laughs> as the heat turned up where Paul and Barnabas were, it would have been easy for them to leave. But the Word of God says they had courage to stay for a long time, still sharing and bearing witness until it was time to depart. Please play, pray for workers to have courage to remain in the midst of persecution, but also discernment to know when to leave. I shared part of this message back in 2018, right as I was leaving. And as I wrote that, I did not know that that was prophetic. March 2020, we're in Oman, and um, we had a team on the ground from Raleigh. And while they were there, the rumors, COVID just really spiked. That was the month where COVID just I think Oman was number one in the world in cases per million for a little while there. It was terrible. And the government decided enough is enough. We're locking down our borders. We're shutting down the airport. Nobody in or out. And I remember in that moment as it was announced, we started making plans for our team that was on the ground, the pastors and, and our church to, to get out of there. But I remember the U.S. Embassy getting that email that night, and they said, it's official. In a couple of days, the uh, Omani government is closing the borders and they're shutting the airport down. Leave now. If you don't leave now, we don't know when you'll be able to leave. And I remember sitting with my family around that table that night, Crystal and I are talking, and we were trying to decide whether or not we should leave or we should stay. And in that moment, we prayed and we just felt like the Lord had called us to stay. You know, you can't talk about running to the fire when everybody's running away if you're going to leave every time going gets tough. So I remember that plane, uh, you know, and the church was like, you know, it says people meanwhile, our church was like, you need to come home, come home right now. You know, everybody's like, you need to come home. And we're like, no, we're going to stay. Um, and I remember seeing that plane fly off, heading back to America. And it was, it was almost like that plane was flying off the door so mom were, were locking. And uh, that, that began um, about nine months of an airport being closed and us being locked into Oman, locked into our homes, airport, helicopters flying overhead with spotlights looking for people outside. Uh, it was just terrible. It was like martial law. Um, but I remember in that moment, do you know what? I don't remember as much the helicopters flying overhead and us being locked in our homes as much as I remember, you know, Omani's coming to us and saying, you know, where are you here? Why, why didn't you go home? And we were like, this is our home. We're here. And, and we saw more fruit in ministry during those eight or nine months being locked down with Omani's than we had seen in our entire time there. Because just like the world is watching you, Omanis are watching us. Who are we? And that was kind of the discussion we had. So when I say pray, I mean it. Pray for, pray, because you never know. I mean, when I wrote this, I never knew that one of the world's biggest pandemics in recent memory was going to happen, and we were going to be facing this. But in the moment, now as I stand here, it gives us a target to our prayers. 
Everything requires consistency. Giving everything is not a one-hit wonder. It's a lifestyle that we must all learn to live. Luke 9.23 says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Every step that we have courage to take in the midst of conflict Jesus will consistently call us to take other steps. Instead of seeing our lives as one big step, one big risk to follow Jesus, I'm learning my life is a staircase of risks and challenges that takes me deeper into the plan he has for me and often further away from my own plan. Church, we have to develop a lifestyle of giving everything. We think giving everything is the one big thing that we do. This year, I'm really going to give it in the kingdom builders, and this is going to be my year. No, I'm challenging you to develop a lifestyle of giving everything you've got every day of your life to the cause of Jesus Christ because he expects nothing less. Everything means just that that we develop a consistent lifestyle of asking God, what is the next mountain you want us to climb? What is the next risk you want us to take? And our circumstances do not dictate the risk that we take. Paul says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's what he says. So that means our risk-taking is not based on what we see in our bank account or how we feel when we do it or how nice everybody is being to us. Our life of giving everything is a lifestyle that we give knowing that the persecution will come because the enemy does not like that. And that is who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. That's how we show the world who we are. By the world saying, man, Jimmy over there, his whole world is falling down around him, but man, he has just got this peace about him, this joy about him. He's always pouring into my life and asking how I'm doing. And you know why we don't like to do that? Because that's something we have to depend on the Holy Spirit for. That's not something we can do in our own power. That sounds impossible. Because it is. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 13, 31 says, Why are we in danger every day, every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. Church, the life as a follower of Jesus Christ is meant to be a dangerous life. Um, I'll share this real story with you and then I'll be closing. There's this kid and He's, he's going to bed that night, and, and his dad comes up to him that night, and he says, Dad, I'm afraid there's a monster under my bed. There's a demon under my bed. And uh, 
His dad says, are you sure? I don't see anything under there. You know, it's a typical conversation we've all had with kids if we've had it. Dad, there's a demon in my bed. There's a demon in my closet. And he says, dad, will you pray for me that I would be safe? Dad, please pray for me that I would be safe. And the boy says, the dad says to the boy, he says, son, you know what? I do believe that the enemy is in this room and he wants to sift you like wheat. But he says, I'm not going to pray that the enemy, that God would keep you safe. I'm going to pray that God would make you dangerous. That when you walk into a room, enemies would run the other way, that the demons would run the other way because you are so anointed and so full of the Holy Spirit that they cower in your presence. I'm going to pray that the Lord makes you dangerous. That is my prayer for you because we are called to go into the kingdom of darkness and expand the kingdom of light wherever we are. Don't ever forget that. We walk into a room and that is our mission. The last point I would share with you today as I close out is everything produces calling. What I mean by that is when we are willing to leave everything and follow Jesus, he produces a calling in our lives that defy logic. I want to read Acts chapter 14, 1 through 3 for you. It says, Now at Iconium they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So, yes, no, so, so they remained for a long time. It's a pattern going on here. I don't know what it is. Speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by his hands. Church, if we're willing to give everything, if we're willing to be challenged, if we're willing to be the ones who run into the fire when everybody else is running away, if we're willing to be the ones to have courage, to be consistent, to act, God will put a calling on your life that you never thought you would ever be able to realize. He will take you places that you never thought you'd go and you'll do things that you never thought you'd be able to do. You know, as you know, I stand as a missionary, I was telling, I was telling um, Pastor Zach and Shelly, you know, there are 2 million Assemblies of God adherents. There are 2,800 Assemblies of God missionaries um, that go out into our world from America. And back in 2018, I was one of only two career African-American Assembly of God worship world missionaries in our country sent out from the Assemblies of God. God, I was obedient, and God has used me to be a pioneer. He's used us to put marriages back together. He's used us to share. He's used us to share all over the world our testimony and how God is, is doing things. And hopefully today, maybe at the Speed of Light Lunch, we'll get to share a little bit more about my testimony and, and what God is continuing to do. But I want to go back to that scripture 
Luke 10 and 11, and it says, Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. I want to share this story with you, and it's from September of 2020. I am not a big dreamer. I will tell you that now. But in September 2020, I had another demonic dream, and I want to share it with you. Would you stand with me all over this place right now? This is the dream. I was laying in my bed, and there was a hand holding my hand just like this. But it wasn't just any hand. It was a demonic hand. It was gray. It had long nails. It didn't even look human. And it was holding my hand like this and digging into the back of my hand. And I could hear the voices again. And as I sat there and I listened to the voices, I began to see this hand turn over. And turned over on the back of this hand was written in blood. And it was one statement. And it said, I will destroy your last name. And immediately when I heard that, I knew what that Arab demonic spirit was telling me. If you know anything about the Arab world, their last name is more than just the last name, whether it's Al-Hassan, Al-Awadi, whatever their last name is, it is a name that defines their tribe. It is a name that they can trace back over a thousand years. It tells them usually how much money they make. It tells whether their family's royalty or not. It tells where the economic status is. A matter of fact, in Oman, a lot of Arabs, when they're deciding what, where they want to put their kids in school, they'll ask to see the list of names kids that are attending. And they can look at the last names and they can tell whether or not they want their kids to go to school there. Their name is more than a last name. Their name defines who they are for generations. And I knew what the enemy was saying in that moment. This is what he was saying. He was saying, I do not want to destroy just you. I want to destroy you. I'm going to destroy your kids. I'm going to destroy your kids' kids. I am going to wipe your name from the face of this earth. This is my promise to you, church, today. And it is a word for you today. And I want you to listen as hard as you've ever listened. The enemy does not just want to destroy you. The enemy wants to destroy your kids. He wants to destroy your kids' kids. The enemy wants to wipe your name from the face of this earth. I don't tell you that to scare you. I tell you that to say this. God is calling us to give everything. And if we're not giving everything, we're moving back. We don't have a choice. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? We do not have an option. We are either moving forward with everything we got or we are moving backward. We are either all in or we're walking backwards. The enemy, the word of God says, man cannot serve two masters. You are either for me or you are against me. We have sat too long, church, thinking that we can tow the middle line with our faith, that we can have one foot in the kingdom and one foot out. 
We have thought too long that we can go a little bit for Jesus and still have that nest egg to fall back on. We live in a world, church, where that is not going to be anymore. We cannot do that anymore. Let me tell you something. Churches are closing all over this country. The, the missionaries that we had in 2018 were 2,800. Now we're probably at about 2,600. I want you to understand something. I believe we are in a generation where God is increasing the quality and not the quantity. We don't need more churches. We need the right churches. We don't need more missionaries. We need the right missionaries. No longer can we live our lives halfway. So this is my challenge to you today. We're going to spend a couple minutes today, and I want you to think about something. I still remember the day, just a loss as a $3 bill in a bank, and just an abusive, dysfunctional marriage, and Jesus called my name. And I decided in that moment, I'm going to give everything to you, Jesus, and I'm going to follow you. I want you today to go back to that moment. I want you to remember that moment where you said, Jesus, I'm tired of being ordinary. I'm ready for you to use me to be extraordinary. Maybe some of you have never really done that yet today. But I think we're going to take a couple minutes and I want us to recommit that to Jesus today. Can we do that? In this time of worship, can we just recommit to God? God, I am tired of giving some. I am tired of giving three quarters. I am ready to give everything. And I know in this moment, if we are ready, God is going to challenge us in a way that he never has before. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you and whatever you need to do to focus on Jesus during this song. For me, I'm one of those guys where, man, if I keep my eyes open and I'm all over the place. So sometimes I just literally have to come down to the altar, get on my hands and knees and put my head in my face so I don't focus on anybody else. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you can stand there in your seat, but these altars are open and this is just you and the Lord. And I want you to pray and ask God and recommit our lives today. Can we do that? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the calling that you've placed on my life. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the testimony I have in you. Father, I was lost as a $3 bill in a bank. And God, you gave me a calling, Lord, that defies logic. Father, I pray in this moment you would challenge us, Lord. God, you would speak to us, God. Lord, help us, Father, to go back to that moment where we committed to you. And Father, be ready to give everything. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come as the Lord leads you.